This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Folks, as many of you already know, I'm already getting my ass kicked by the liberal left in this country as I push back against modern liberalism and the devastation that it has caused the black community. However, I don't appreciate it when the GOP asks Democrats if they need a fresh pair of boots to kick me with. Welcome to the program. We're going to get into that a little later in this segment. First, I want to start where I should, paying homage to one of NYPD's finest, Randolph Holder, who was violently gunned down by a career criminal as Officer Holder was doing his job, protecting the good law-abiding people of New York City, putting his life on the line, pursuing an armed suspect. You know, that's why I bristle when I hear people like Rahm Emanuel, de Blasio, and others talk about how the police have quit on their cities during this uptick in violence. We heard Mayor Rawlings Blake, the city of Baltimore, intimate the same thing. Holder didn't quit on the good law-abiding people of New York City, and it cost him his life. Now, there's no doubt that we're seeing less self-initiated policing in these urban ghettos throughout the United States. And its correlation to a rise in crime and violence because the criminal element is in charge and they know they have the backing of the political establishment. These faux movements, these attacks on the character, the integrity, the service, the sacrifice, the commitment of the American police officer who put themselves in harm's way potentially ending up on a memorial wall, leaving children motherless and fatherless, leaving police agencies grief-stricken. This is a mess. But I do want to honor Officer Randolph Holder as he served his community. And as we learned as time went on, the suspect in this 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 uh, violence against one of NYPD's finest was a career criminal. That should be no surprise to anybody. Last I heard, twenty eight arrests. He's you know twenty eight arrests. He's been the benefactor of many of these soft on crime rehab programs and social engineering experiments in and out of jail and revolving door criminal justice system, leniency, pity for the criminal by prosecutors and soft on crime judges who spit these people back into these stressed communities to wreak more havoc, to claim more victims. And it isn't just about the murder of a police officer. This sort of stuff goes on on a daily basis. 
and these urban ghettos throughout the United States, but they don't make the headlines. The black-on-black crime that I, I am now framing as a human rights violation, this black-on-black crime is a human rights abuse and should be investigated as such by the United Nations. But instead, the United States Department of Justice, President Obama, and others are making, investigating the police as job one, police agencies. So we have another dead police officer, the fourth one in the last 11 months in New York City alone. Last year, 96 law enforcement officers were killed in the line of duty, and another 48,000 518 were physically assaulted. That's the brutality. Many of those suspects were black in the commission of crimes or threatening a law enforcement officer or failing to abide by their lawful commands, resisting arrest. How about black criminal abuse? Black criminal Brutality. That's the real brutality going on in the United States. So this judge who put this creep in New York City back on the streets apologizes. She says, I am truly sorry. Well, so am I. I'm sorry that someone thought you worthy to sit on a court of law. You criminal coddling, criminal advocating, empathy for the criminal, despicable human being. Judge Patricia Nunez is her name. And I want that name to become as household throughout the United States as Darren Wilson was and is. By the way, we still have not heard from President Obama, that heartless, soulless bastard who wastes no time taking to the microphone to stick up for a criminal creep like Mike Brown, like Eric Garner, like Freddie Gray, like Trayvon Martin, and communicating empathy for those goons, and yet he has to be prodded. He has to be prodded to say something when a law enforcement officer is killed in the line of duty. So reading from this New York Post story on Patricia Nunez, Manhattan Supreme Court, she says, I I know, I'm truly sorry. She said, sadly, when a 
Post reporter reminded her about the 33-year-old cop's devastated family. And she says, I will speak on the record at sentencing, she added, referring to suspect Tyrone Howard's November 12th court date in a 2014 drug sale case. The very one she had resolved in May by sending the gang backer, banger to rehab instead of jail despite his history of three similar felony sale convictions and the advice of prosecution. This is amazing. Quote, she says, there is nothing, she said her voice strained, that breaks my heart more than a police officer dying. You lying sack of crap. Later on in the story, another judge involved in another case uh, with this suspect says, when we put on these black robes, we're not given a crystal ball. No, you're not given a crystal ball. But you are given a brain, you idiot. Why don't you try using it once in a while? The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio. America WK, with your host, Andrew WK. Is life good or bad? There's an energy there. There's an energy. That's what you can feel as anxiety. That's what you can feel as confusion or as stress. That is energy. And I don't mean just uh, thought energy or emotional energy. I mean a real physical energy, the kind of energy that can make your body move around. America WK, Saturdays, 10 a.m. to noon on the Blaze Radio Network. Sheriff. So the morning I learned that NYPD officer Randolph Holder died of his wounds being violently and brutally killed by black suspect as Holder went about serving the people of New York City, the fine people of New York City. And I open up my New York Times app. I'm scouring through, and I come across this headline. Police leaders join call to cut prison rosters. And folks, I got ill. Literally, the life was sucked out of me. I said, you have got to be kidding. Law enforcement executives going over to the dark side, abandoning their duty to the law-abiding people of their communities, and joining ranks with criminal advocates. This scheme, if you will, to de-incarcerate America, to not use jails and prisons as a crime control tool. Jails and prisons are a very effective crime control tool. And it's been hard enough in my fight against this, my pushback, against these liberal groups, these criminal coddlers. But now my own colleagues have joined them. I was shocked by this. Maybe I shouldn't have been, but I was. 
I'm going to read this from the New York Times. Police leaders join call to cut prison rosters. More than 130 police chiefs, prosecutors, and sheriffs, including some of the most prominent law enforcement officials in the country, are adding their clout to the movement to reduce the nation's incarceration rate. Asserting that, quote, too many people are behind bars that don't belong there, close quote, the officials plan to announce on Wednesday that they have formed a group to push for alternatives to arrest, reducing the number of criminals of criminal laws and ending mandatory minimum prison sentences. Members of the group are scheduled to meet Thursday with President Obama. This is the day that NYPD officer Randolph Holder was shot and killed by an armed black suspect who has been the benefactor of the second chance, alternatives to incarceration, community corrections, restorative justice programs. These programs do not work. These people fail to understand how human behavior works. These thugs start out with minor crimes and graduate to felony offenses. This guy who killed Officer Holder's record, arrest record was littered with drug arrests. And yet we hear this propaganda, this myth that our prisons are filled with drug offenders who are in need of treatment, treatment in, 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 in lieu of incarceration. And then these clowns are put back on the street to claim more victims more times than not black victims, which is why I have said the black-on-black crime in this country is a human rights abuse. And it should be investigated as such. So the New York Times story goes on to say, the group includes the police chiefs of the nation's largest cities, including William J. Bratton of New York, Charlie Beck of the Los Angeles Police Department, and Gary McCarthy of the Chicago Police Department, as well as prosecutors from around the country, including Cyrus R. Vance, Jr., the Manhattan District Attorney. What a, what a total capitulation. Basically, these guys have thrown their hands up and said, we, there's nothing we can do about the crime and violence, so let's join ranks with the soft on crime advocates. Now, here's what struck me the most out of all those names. William J. Bratton, a friend of mine. I consider him a mentor in terms of being a law enforcement executive. I still do. But remember, there are no sacred cows on the people's sheriff. There just aren't. If I see you engaging in something, if you're an ally, and I see you engaging in something you shouldn't be engaging in, you're going to get it just like somebody on the left. And I hope to still remain friends with Bratton, but I'll tell you what, my duty to support the law-abiding people of this country in these cities is more important to me, to me than some liaison or alliance that I have with somebody. Now, here's the thing that struck me. You have William J. Bratton now joining ranks and saying, we aren't going to arrest our way out of this. Sure we are. We've done it before. We did it in the 90s. 
the great crime decline in this country was because we went out and targeted the career uh, criminal perpetrators with mandatory minimum sentencing and kept them locked up for the longest period of time allowable by law. When I hear that we can't arrest our way out, that's a talking point from the left. Yes, we can. Yes, we have. So I'm reading this story, and it says, The law enforcement leaders now say reducing incarceration will improve public safety because people who need treatment for drug and alcohol problems or mental health issues will more likely improve and reintegrate in society if they receive consistent care, something relatively few jails or prisons offered. That is a lie on all counts. They do get treatment inside prison. At least we can keep them separated from law-abiding society and not claim more victims if we give them their treatment in prison and in jail. How can these people, it's a total abdication to their oath, say the law enforcement leaders now say reducing incarceration will improve public safety. It didn't improve the safety of Officer Holder, did it? But this really struck me is back in August. I read, ladies and gentlemen, I keep up. I It's hard with, you know, it's like trying to take a drink from a, a fire hydrant with all of the sites and the news outlets. But, but I do, I think, a pretty good job of sifting through the nonsense, the noise, and pulling out stuff that I think, hey, this is kind of interesting. So there was a New York Post story on August 5th of 2015. Keep in mind, now in October, this group of law enforcement executives, I'm not even going to call them leaders, they're followers of the soft on crime advocates now. So 60 days before this, there's a story in the New York Post. August 5th, it says, the the headline, Bratton, colon, we're letting too many people out of jail. The city's be letting too many people out of jail, Police Commissioner Bill Bratton said in a radio interview Wednesday. There are people in our, in our society, I'm sorry, they're criminals. They're bad people. You don't want to put them in diversion programs, and you don't want to keep them out of jail. We need to work very hard to put them in jail and keep them there for a long time because they're a danger to the rest of us, and that's the reality, he said. Bratton said that efforts to let people out of jail and prevent uh, people from going to jail are well-intentioned but pointed to recent shootings like the one in Red Hook that critically wounded a pregnant woman and killed her unborn baby. You see what I mean by when I said we don't get to hear this stuff? We get to hear when they kill the cop? He says we can't lose sight of the fact that we have hardcore criminal population in this city of several thousand people who have no values and no respect for human life. When did William J. Bratton suddenly have this epiphany They were locking too many people up. We're going to continue this. David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. China. 
It's ending its one-child policy. The Chinese may also be doing this to add to their population depth because they realize that in the future, well, I don't know. What do you think the central government in Beijing thinks about the future of China? They're still maintaining control over whether people can have children. They're just saying it's two now instead of one. You have to ask the question, is it just for economic reasons that they want to? Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. So to wrap that segment up on this uh, flip-flop, if you will, by my friend, Police Commissioner William Bratton, and not my friend, Mayor Bill de Blasio, they held a news conference and said that we got to stop this stuff. De Blasio has now introduced uh, some, some city legislation to keep these individuals, like the guy, the creep who uh, shot Officer Randolph Holder, keep him in jail longer when, in fact, de Blasio is one of the leading architects of this mass jail release and... Uh, you know, here, Mr. Bratton said that New York State and the city law enforcement agencies were, quote, well ahead of the curve in understanding that you can't arrest your way out of the problem. Sure you can. We did it in the 90s. And uh, we can do it again. We've gotten away from it. And there's a lag time. We've gotten away from it. This didn't just happen starting in Ferguson. We've been on this soft on crime issue for a long time. So I'll keep you posted on uh that movement as we fight these soft on crime liberals who see the criminals as victims and the cops as villains. All right, now I want to move into a new uh, topic here, the one that I introduced the show with. I'm going to save the best for last. came across this Washington Post article. Many of you may know I've been on this crusade in beating back this Black Lies Matter movement Discrediting it, discrediting it, poking holes in it, showing them for the frauds that they are. This issue is fraudulent. They're an illegitimate group, a bastard child of the hands up, don't shoot movement. And this has to be swatted down. I said, uh, I said back in December that this was a political construct now. And now people, you know, the, the know-it-alls are catching on. And I know-it-alls, I'm talking about the pundits. Yeah, they're all saying it now. They weren't saying it back then. And I knew I'd be right. And uh, I'll be right about something else, too. I hear that the Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter movement, is uh, forging an alliance with gun control groups. This is taken from political gun control advocates frustrated by repeated failures to pass even moderate restrictions on gun ownership are trying to forge an alliance with Black Lives Matter and the criminal justice reform movement in a strategy shift aimed at overcoming the lobbying power of the National Rifle Association. I have said this from the beginning. This isn't about reducing violence for this anti-gun movement. This is not about reducing mass murders. This is about weakening the power and influence on Capitol Hill and in the states of the National Rifle Association. A group of 
organized gun owners and supporters of the Second Amendment who they don't agree with. So it goes on to point out that according to somebody from this this, uh, anti-gun movement here, it says, quote, the movement is too white, said Mark Morial, head of the National Urban League. There's no input from communities of color. But in recent months, gun control advocates have started looking for ways to better align their goals with those of the Black Lives Matter and the criminal justice reform movement, which is politically ascendant as Republicans and Democrats alike look for ways to reduce swollen prison populations. That should not be the goal, first of all, to reduce prison populations. It's to protect the community. That's the goal. Protect law-abiding citizens. So, you know, now this thing is growing, and this is right out of Saul Alinsky. You take these disparate groups, and you do a patchwork, and as Saul Alinsky said, can we get them on our side? If they're not on our side, how can we get them on our side? Next thing you know, you have this patchwork of foot soldiers, disparate movements, disparate objectives, but in the end, they're all aligned toward having the left and socialists and liberals and Democrats maintain electoral majorities. That's how they've been able to do it. But really more important than that, what I want to talk about is Washington Post story. The DNC and RNC won't add a debate, but give their blessings to Black Lives Matter presidential town hall. Both major political parties have given their blessings to two of the most prominent activist groups associated with the Black Lives Matter protest movement. First of all, it's not a protest movement. These are subversives. A subversive advocates for the overthrow of our legally constituted republic. That is not a protest movement. That is an anarchist movement. Back to the story here. The Black Lives Matter Network and Campaign Zero to host a presidential town hall focused on issues of racial justice. In a statement issued Thursday, the RNC noted that while its official debate schedule has long been finalized about 30 months ago, presidential forms like the one McKesson is proposing have been previously announced. Quote, this is from the RNC, folks. We continue to encourage our candidates to speak to all voters when given the opportunity, Senator Orlando Watson, a spokesman, for the, a spokesman for the RNC. This presidential candidate forum, like Senator Tim Scott's town hall, is such an opportunity. First of all, that is an insensitive statement. And you know I'm not a hypersensitive guy. Oh, yeah, go to the black guy, you know, Tim Scott. Yeah, go, go to his stuff. You know, that, that should be enough there. Well, the black guy can hold the, uh, the Black Lives Movement uh, uh, town hall. It's insulting. I'm Tim Scott. I wouldn't want anything to do. I would look at the RNC and go, get those people the hell away from me. The statements of support, back to the story, from the DNC and RNC of a Black Lives Matter town hall come after organizers with the Black Lives Matter network and activist collective with the same name often apply to the broader protest movement calling the DNC to sanction an additional debate themed around the issues of racial justice. This isn't about racial justice. It's just not. But here's the thing. The RNC giving their blessings to the Black Lives Matter movement. That is the the equivalent of letting the air out of my tires 
as I get out and go do battle with these subversives, why is the RNC, the RNC never gave this sort of credibility or blessing to the Tea Party movement. They set out to destroy it. But now this thing comes along. I don't know if this is the RNC's attempt at um, what diversity. Is that what this is? Outreach? Well, we'll give them our blessing. They should have ridiculed this group. Just like they do the Tea Party. I'm up here fighting daily on radio and TV and, and writing, discrediting this, this bastard child of the hands up, don't shoot movement. This is, a legit, uh, this is not a legitimate movement because it's based on a lie. For the RNC to even intimate that, that, this, that there's any legitimacy to this, it just... It, it chaps my rear end. I'm out here trying to defeat this thing, and I didn't ask the RNC for their help. But gosh darn it, don't don't clip my wings. Don't throw nails out in front of my horse as I come riding by. That's what this is. This 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 is it's beyond the pale. When we come back, we're going to talk about why this is so utterly ridiculous. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin. Because the panelists declared war on everybody. Every panelist, inappropriately, went after every single candidate in a negative non-journalistic way, which is utterly wrong, utterly against the canons of journalism. Jay Severin, weekdays 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Black Lives Matter movement belongs to be mentioned alongside other radical groups like the Weather Underground or the Symbionese Liberation Army and other black racialist radical movements. I've said publicly on TV, this group is garbage, slime that they're promoting. It's not a protest movement. Why the RNC? would give them any sense or semblance of legitimacy is just beyond me. You know, the Republicans used to own the issue of tough-on-crime, safe neighborhoods, pro-police. And I see them getting into bed with this radical leftist movement of this mass prison release. Do these people think, from the RNC, think that they're going to get some love at election time for going along with this nonsense? The GOP is pretty naive about the motives of the Democrat and their liberal ideology as I watch this. 
They all get in bed with the devil. This is making a deal with the devil. Crawling in bed with liberal Democrats on soft on crime and anti-police. Why would they cede this issue to the Democrats? And, And trust me, remember I said I'll be right again? A couple other things I want to say. This crime issue is going to be a major issue in the 2016 November elections. And the candidate that seizes it, and so far I've mentioned that Senator Ted Cruz is the only one, Donald Trump a little bit, to get back on the side of the police and say so publicly, local crime affects communities and it affects individuals. It doesn't affect those people on Capitol Hill, so they're disconnected. Now I was looking over some, you know, and I say the Republicans used to own this issue. Here's a survey by Gallup. More Americans say crime is rising in the United States. Perceptions of rising crime is up seven points from 2014. Conservatives and Republicans most likely to say crime is up. Seven in ten Americans say there is more crime in the U.S. now than there was a year ago, up slightly from 63% who said so in 2014. Meanwhile, 18% say there's less crime And only eight say the level of crime has stayed the same. They own this issue. They're out of touch with the American people. The American voters pay attention to crime rates. So we get back to this this, this Black Lives Matter and the, the RNC giving them their blessing. Here's further evidence of how disconnected this is with people who traditionally might vote for them, including independents. This is from a Rasmussen survey. Black Lives Matter was initially a slogan used by those protesting what they see as excessive police violence against blacks in the country, but now has been adopted as the name of a political organization. (laughs) Yeah. This is from August of 2015. I said that in December of 2014. Remember when I said people are starting to catch on now? Earlier this month, Americans didn't have much good to say about the protests in Ferguson, Missouri. After the one-year anniversary of the fatal shooting by a police officer, most Americans have an even more positive view of their local police and don't consider their tactics out of line. But blacks are more critical than whites and other minority adults. It says most Americans have an even more positive view of their local police and don't consider their tactics out of line. Why is the RNC doing this? There's no evidence. They've put forth no evidence, this lying movement, of the existence of police excessive use of force or police brutality. There is no police brutality in America. We got rid of that in the 60s. That used to be a cultural aspect of policing. It's gone now. These these isolated incidents that we see, and they're rare, I mean, they hardly register, are police misconduct. Police brutality is no longer acceptable within the police ranks. I won't tolerate it. So when I look at this, another poll was taken. And this one here, this Rasmussen points it out as well. 
60, 69% of blacks do not identify with the Black Lives Matter movement. They don't identify with it. They don't want anything to do with it. Why would the RNC do this? Why didn't the RNC go out and talk to those 69% and get them on board? Instead of getting into bed with these creeps from Black Lives Matter. The survey from Rasmussen says only 22% of black voters think politicians raise these issues to address real problems. Only 22%. It says 88% of Republicans and 80% of voters not affiliated with either major political party say all lives matter is closest to their own personal views. 88%. Why does the RNC feel a need to make a deal with the devil? You know, this This thing goes on to point out this Rasmussen survey. It says 82% of black voters think uh, most black Americans receive unfair treatment from the police. White voters, by a 56 to 30 margin, don't believe that's true. Other minority voters are evenly divided. But here's the key, folks. I take the good with the bad. 82% of blacks think most black Americans receive unfair treatment. But here's the kicker. But 70% of all voters believe the level of crime in low-income inner-cities community is a bigger problem in America today than police discrimination against minorities. Just 13% of Americans think that most deaths that involve the police are the fault of the policeman. Just 13%. This stuff's available to the RNC. This stuff's available to those Republicans on Capitol Hill who are going along with this mindless idea of sentencing reform, which I heard referred to the other day, and I loved it. Obama is opening the gates of hell on American cities with this massive prison release. Opening the gates of hell. I love that description because this is going to rain holy hell on minority citizens the overwhelming majority of those that live in the central city are law-abiding why do i do this i mean why do i toil like this and fight these demons and try to slay these dragons I got people sawing off the limb as I'm hanging out there on a limb like the, uh, you know, like the RNC. I'm not going to quit, but I'll tell you what. I have to fight this on two fronts. I got to fight the left and I have to fight the RNC. Folks, I don't like to use hyperbole, but we are in big trouble from both political parties. We're out of time for today. You can follow me during the week at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, on Twitter or at thepeoplesheriff.com. Hope you join me next week. God bless you. 
You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs>